learn it. I don't know if you're like this. I am. Sometimes I have to relearn things that I've already learned before. And I'm thankful the Lord is gracious and patient with me to allow me to do that. It is good to see you here today. And looking around, I see some visitors, some folks I don't know. And I do see some visitors that I do know, some friends from Illinois. And met some folks from Alabama today. And uh, met several folks I haven't got to really get to know yet, but glad to have you here. Always glad to have folks stop in and visit with us. And I want to encourage you to take some time to fill out that connection card. Get it to the bookstore. They're right outside that door on the left, and they have a gift for you. Uh, just to thank you for coming. And I uh, do want to encourage you today, Brother AJ, you'll notice he's not here. Brother AJ's out of town preaching for a friend of mine today. They needed someone to come in and preach. The pastor had to go in for some chemotherapy. So Brother, Brother AJ's preaching for them. Pray for him uh, as he'll be kicking off things here in just a moment as well. But let's see what the Lord has for us today. Let's take our Bibles out and turn to John chapter number 3. Uh, that ought to be an easy one for us to find. John chapter number 3. And uh, you're going to look down to the verse you're thinking about, verse number 16. And when you find it, <clears throat> go ahead and stand if you don't mind. Uh, you'll notice there's flowers up here on the front of the pulpit, some new flowers today. Uh, that was provided by Miss Frances Simmons today, uh, right around today is where we're uh, acknowledging 74 years the Lord's allowed and blessed Central Baptist Church to be here. Uh, and we didn't have a big celebration this year on 74 because uh, our goal is to have a big one next year for 75. And we're going to kick the 74 budget down the road to 75. That way we can have even more fun. Amen. Uh, but thank the Lord for those flowers. She puts those there uh, in honor of our brother Williams, her brother, pastor here for 39 years. And I'm thankful for him and for his testimony, getting to build on top of what he built. John chapter 3, if you want to look down to verse number 16, you probably know it so well, or I hope you do. You don't have to read it, but we're going to continue reading through the rest of the red letters in chapter number 3. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now the next few verses are going to lead up into the context of the message today. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, aren't you glad? But that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth com cometh to the light. That his deeds may be made manifest that they are wrought in God. Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you again, Lord, for your word and uh, for that very precious verse we just read about that guarantees us eternal life, Lord, through Jesus and what he did to secure that for us. And Father, I pray you'd help it. There's one lost here today. I pray they'd be saved. And uh, Lord, as we try to preach it, I pray your Holy Spirit would make it clear. For us that are saved, Father, I believe there's a great truth here that we need to take and hide deep within our heart, uh, Father, that we might be able to move on from our salvation to become more like Christ and follow closer to Christ. Bless, I pray that your will be done in the service, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I was talking to my Sunday school class today, and we were talking about fellowship and the importance of fellowship and uh, how our fellowship, when centered around Christ, will always have a solid, unmovable common denominator. I joked with them and told them, we know what next week is, right? Next week is college football. 
It kicks off, and there's an opportunity there for us to find out where the battle lines are drawn and tensions to build because we all have different teams. But uh, thank the Lord if we're saved, we have a greater common denominator than our football team, right? Uh, I hope so. And I'm sure there's several things that are uh, common denominators with each of us in the room this morning, even those who may not know very well. You might even be visiting with us today. And let me give you one of them. If there's one thing that I know for sure about all of us today is that none of us are self-made, that all of us are who we are by the grace of God, and even beyond the grace of God, on the more characteristic level, our character and our accomplishments and even the course of our life is often a reflection of the influence of other people in our life. And by the way, I'm thankful for that, aren't you? That God would love us enough to send people along the way to be a right influence at the right time to give us direction and encouragement along the way and even sometimes even uh, give us reproof when we need it along the way. Uh, I think we'd probably all be surprised if we started talking about it, how many things you do on a daily basis are because of someone else's influence in your life. For you ladies, maybe even some of your, uh, you men, the way you cook or something that you cook is probably uh, as the result of an influence of somebody in your life. You cook it like mom or dad or grandma or grandpa, the recipe they used to use. I was thinking this morning the way that I tie a fish hook. Uh, I haven't been fishing in a while, but the way that I tie a fish hook, I can remember my dad teaching me how to tie a fish hook. Uh, how I do things in my life are a direct result of, uh, of people that God has allowed to be in my life. Uh, I think about some of our styles and how we live our life. Uh, it's amazing. I watch some of our elementary students, and you can tell they look up to some of our high school students, and you can tell by their styles. Uh, that They're adopting in their life that their styles are influenced by people that they're looking up to, and on and on and on we could go with that, that who we are and what we do and and where we're headed has a lot to do with the people and the influences that have been in our, our life. Now, I want you to think about a particular influence this morning, and that's the influence of Christ in your life. If you're saved this morning, there's not a person on this planet who has had more influence in your life than Christ. Uh, you look back at the story of your life to where you went from being on your way to hell to being on your way to heaven, and what was at the crossroads that made the difference in your life? It was Christ. It was Christ. You look at who you are as a Christian, and if there's anything good about you that people could compliment, I, your spirit, uh, maybe the singing voice you have, do you know all of those are because of Christ? All the good things about us are because of who Jesus is and, and who he was and who, how he lived. And we are who we are, the good parts, because of all because of Christ this morning. But can I tell you this? Christ is not irresistible. Meaning the amount of influence Christ has in your life is truly up to you. Uh, if Christ were irresistible, there would not be people in hell. But there are people in hell today. Why? Because they resisted Christ. That's why the rich man is in hell. He resisted Christ. That's why as Christians, our life does not reflect Christ oftentimes as it should. Why? Because we resist Christ and his influence in our life. Now, what does our Father want of us? Well, he wants us to be like our example, which is Christ. He wants our life to reflect Christ. He wants our language to reflect Christ, our spirits and our countenance to reflect Christ, our testimony to reflect Christ. And oh, can I tell you, I believe this world will be different. 
if people could look at our life and see more of an influence of Christ. And I believe that's what he calls us to do. As a matter of fact, that's the only light that we have. If our light is to shine, it's not any light that we have of ourselves. Sure, some of us who may be thinning on top, uh, maybe there's a little reflection there. And maybe there's some light that shines off of there. I'm not talking about that light. I'm talking about the light that's on the inside of us. If that light is to shine, that light is Christ. And people should see his influence in our life. Ephesians 5, oftentimes we'll use this verse, verse 18, right in conjunction with 19, about influence, especially in music. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, what is verse 18 talking about? Just hang with me. We'll get into the message in a moment. The Bible says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. What are wine and the Spirit? They're both influences. The Bible says that we have a choice in the influences we bring into our lives. Be not drunk with wine. Why? That's going to influence your life. I think we've probably all seen that before. It can influence your life in a horrific fashion, tearing apart homes, ruining testimonies. It can do that. Horrible influence. The Bible says don't bring that influence into your life. The Bible says, but be filled with the Spirit. That's the controlling influence we should have in our life. So you know what that verse is telling me? It's telling us this morning that we have a choice in the influences that we bring into our life. And it's not just eternal influences, it's everyday influences. You know, Christ is not something we move on from. Thanks be to God, we met Christ, we got saved, and he's influenced our eternity. We're on our way to heaven. We can't go to hell. Thank God for the influence of Christ. But after we get saved, we do not move on from Christ. Say, all right, I got what I needed from him, now I move on to something else. No, Christ is supposed to influence not just our eternal life, but our everyday life. That each and every day that we live and go about the time that God gives us, we should see the influence of Christ reflected in our life. I think about those that are lost. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you're lost, you've never been saved, your life can forever and eternally be altered by the influence of Christ. But wait a minute, what does the Bible go on to say in 2 Corinthians 5? If any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What does that mean? It means Christ should continually influence our life, that we become less like who we were and more like who he is. And that is the influence the world desperately needs to see right now. I want you to think about some people in the Word of God. I want you to think about the two thieves who hung on either side of Jesus. Jesus hung there on that cross. One would trust him, one would reject him. You see, it was all based on what they decided they were going to do with the influence of Christ. One is he spending eternity in hell, one is in heaven. Why? All because one chose to let Christ influence his life and the other rejected that. I want you to think about Zacchaeus this morning. Here's Zacchaeus. We knew he was not the most upstanding citizen, probably would not get a key to the city if he was around today. And yet Zacchaeus' life was eternally changed, and then we go on to see Zacchaeus' everyday life was changed. What happened? The influence of Christ in his life. Now, why am I giving you all these examples? Well, I believe this morning the course of this life, not just eternally, and the course of the next one is going to be determined 
by what we allow Christ to influence us. If you're lost and you receive Christ, that influence will save you. If you're saved this morning and you decide to draw nigh unto Christ, where you are decreasing and he is increasing, it will influence you and change you. But here's what I want you to get today, a very simple thought. Christ is a crossroads. Christ is a crossroads. That when you are confronted with Christ, you have the opportunity to choose whether or not you will allow him to influence your eternity and influence your everyday life. And this morning, who we are and who we become is going to be a reflection of that choice. It's like you come to a crossroad. You come to a, a place where there's a, a bridge and the bridge is out. And you see the sign and the sign says, bridge out. Bridge out. Do you know the decision you make on how to respond to that sign is drastically about to affect your life? If you choose to heed and obey the direction of that sign and you turn around, uh, you'll live just a little while longer at the very least. But if you choose to reject the message of that sign, you're going to go off the cliff and you're going to perish. You see, it's all about what you decide. And today I believe lost or saved, I want to show you what John 3 shows us we need to do at the crossroads of Christ. And that's the message today we're going to look at. I believe whether you're lost or you're saved this morning, uh, you've got to decide the influence Christ is going to have in your life. And John 3, and you're going to look down, if you would, first to verse 19, really gives us this first step that I want you to see on how Christ can influence your life today. Verse 19 says, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Do you know, as wonderful as the influence of Christ is, Unlike what a lot of the television preachers say and the televangelists say, the influence of Christ is not without its burdens. It would be wonderful if Christ influenced our life and it never made things hard and things were never difficult, but that's not what thus saith the Lord. Because if you'll notice verse 19, there's a particular word I want you to see. And this is the what? Condemnation. That light is come into the world. The word condemnation means verdict or conviction. The Bible says that Christ was that light that came into the world. You say, wait a minute, verse 17 says, he didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Oh, no, he did not come to condemn the world. Here's what he did. He was the light that revealed to us that we were condemned already. Jesus did not come to condemn us. Verse 17 spells it out very clearly. But Jesus was that light that showed us that without him, when we did not believe in him, we were condemned already. Now notice this, Christ in verse 19 is the light that shines into our darkness to show us who we really are. Now can I tell you, when Christ shines into my life, whether it was the first time as a lost sinner that I remember hearing the gospel, or whether it's now as a born-again child of God, when he shines his light into my heart, can I tell you something? I don't always enjoy it. Watch, verse 19. And this is the condemnation that light is come. That light has come. Can I tell you one of the first things that happens at the crossroads of Christ? Number one, I want you to see the conviction of Christ. The Bible says this is the condemnation that light is come into the world. <clears throat> Do you ever wonder why people reject Christ? You ever wonder why? Why would you reject Jesus? He came and lived and died for you that you could spend eternity in hell. Why do people reject Christ? Watch, 
It's because that when we're confronted by the light that Christ is, it shows us who we are. And all the conviction when the light of Christ shines into our life and we see ourselves as God sees us. Can I tell you, if you're not careful this morning, you'll convince yourself that you're doing pretty good. Right? All right, I only had a couple of amens on that one. Maybe you don't, don't believe it, but I do. You'll be convincing yourself, I'm doing okay comparing ourselves to other people. But the other people are not the standard. The standard is Christ. And in the light of Christ, I see myself as undone and it's convicting. That's why we reject Christ. Because we see the conviction of Christ that shows us who we really are. I'll give you an example. Maybe it'll help you understand this point a little better. Uh, I don't like going to the dentist. If you're a dentist here today, I don't have anything against you personally, okay? It's just your profession creeps me out. It really does. Uh, I'll get the text messages, man. I should have never given my dentist my my phone number because they'll text me, hey, it's time for a checkup. I don't want a checkup. I've been brushing my teeth. I've been flossing after meals. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I don't need to go in for a checkup. Can I tell you, I avoid the dentist as often as I can. I don't like going, honey, you know what? I'm going to let you use that part of our deductible. You go to the dentist. So selfless. My daughter, sweetheart, I want you to go to the dentist and you, you, you take all of that. Not me. I don't have any part of it. Why? Because I know that when I go to the dentist, I know what he's going to say. I have horrible teeth. I know what he's going to say. Hmm. He's going to put that little light on his head and put the glasses there in the middle. He's going to look down in my mouth with that block. Number one, if you're a dentist, why do you talk to people with that thing in your mouth? <laughs> How are you doing? Huh? Are you feeling okay? Huh? I'm like, here, look, the only way I can tell them I'm hurting is to scream. And it's, it's so embarrassing when you scream back there in the chair and all those people around you. You, know? you can't communicate with them. He looks down in there and he says, oh, there's another cavity. Oh, have you been flossing? I'm like, no, you tell me. You got a better view of it than I do. We avoid it. Why? Because when we go there before, we're going to know he's going to look down in there with that light, and he's going to show us all that is wrong. This is why we reject Christ. This is why people die and go to hell. Why? Because this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world. It's the conviction of Christ. We don't want to see ourselves the way God sees us. Why? Because we're undone and we're dirty and we're broken. But can I tell you, it's a necessary part of coming to Christ. There's got to be that conviction of Christ. To see who we really are. I remember when I got saved, the preacher read Romans 3.23, For all have sinned. That brought conviction. What? I have sinned. I mean, I'm, I try to be a good kid. I try to mind my parents. I don't sneak out the window, and you're calling me a sinner. It didn't feel good, but that's what happens when the light of Christ gets shown into our heart. By the way, there's no difference after you get saved either. This is why we don't get close to Christ. If he is the light, and he shines into our heart, can I tell you, after you get saved, you're going to find there's cavities after you get saved too. I wish after we got saved, well, we didn't have this flesh to deal with. We didn't have thoughts to deal with. I wish we could go on and be just like Jesus. But oftentimes, there's things wrong. That's why we avoid church. Why? Because when that light is shined, Ephesians 5, let me give you this, verse 13. But in all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. That means in order for something to be convicted and something to be pointed out, the Bible says it has to be exposed by the light. Light's got to shine in there and say there's, there's something wrong in there. We've had so many folks in the hospital lately. 
And uh, I have heard more about medical procedures than I want to hear about, to be honest. I get a queasy stomach. I have a weak stomach. I don't feel much like of a man because of it, but it's just the way I was. There I am, okay? Uh, you look in there, and Brother Morrow had that pacemaker put in. And boy, you see how they put those things in? Oh, it's just frightening. Uh, Miss Faye had her surgery this week, and uh, Brother Dixon had his surgery, and folks get needles put in their eyes. And can I tell you one of the things they use when they go in there to diagnose and treat a problem? They go in there with a light. Well, they've got to be able to see what they're doing and where they're going, and the only way they can fix it is to shine that light in there. That's what conviction is. Conviction is when the light of Christ shines within our heart, and it shows us who we really are. And folks, can I tell you, I don't like conviction. I don't like it. It doesn't feel good, but can I tell you, it's a necessary step. I want you to turn with me, if you will. I want to show you something in Acts chapter 7. Just mark your place in John 3. I want to show you this in Acts chapter 7. Let's let the Word of God speak for itself. Amen. Acts chapter 7, I want you to look down as Stephen preaches, and I want you to see what, what, what was happening. Acts chapter 7 and verse 52, <clears throat> the Bible says, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? So here's Stephen preaching to the religious crowd, and he says, which of the prophets have your fathers not persecuted? And they have slain them, which showed before of the coming of the just one of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. Can I tell you something? He would have been shot in 2023 if he preached that. Matter of fact, probably drug him right out in Highway 49 and let him run up, be run over by a big truck. Watch what happened, the Bible says, after he said that. Verse 54, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. Do you know what that is? That's conviction. And they gnashed on him with their teeth. Verse 55, but he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Watch this. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. He's preaching Jesus to them. He's going to pay for it with his life. And he preached Jesus to them. And those men came to the crossroads of Christ. And Christ shined his light into their heart. And it cut them deep. That's what conviction does. The Bible says they stopped their ears. Don't want to hear it. I've had folks jump up and run out of the service before. Didn't want to hear it. What happened? They come to the, the crossroads of Christ. And the crossroads of Christ brings the conviction of Christ. I had a man at our church in Louisiana years ago, really nice man, really kind man, but could not get him regular in church. And one day I asked his son, I says, why, why doesn't your dad come more faithfully? Here's what he said. He said, I asked my dad that one day, and he said this, it makes me feel troubled on the inside. It makes me feel troubled on the inside. You see, when we are confronted with Christ at the crossroads of Christ, here's what happens. His light shines in. It shows us who we are, and it makes us feel uncomfortable because we think we're doing well. We think we're doing good. And when that light shines in and we see ourselves as God sees us, it hurts. It hurts. Well, folks, listen to me this morning. The influence of Christ, oh, yes, are there good things? There's, there's more than we can count. The influence of Christ may bring conviction this morning. Oswald Chambers said, conviction of sin is one of the rarest things that ever strikes a man. It is the threshold 
of, an underst- of understanding God. So often the things of God that we have yet to grow into in the image of Christ that we have yet to aspire to is all because we refuse to be convicted of who we are. We want to be more like Jesus. We want to hear him say, well done. But we can't get past the conviction of who we are to make it to where God wants us to be. It's a necessary part, folks. This conviction is important. You remember Saul on the road to Damascus. Thought he was doing well, arresting Christians, putting them in jail. And all of a sudden, what happened, the Bible says? Something come out of heaven. What was it? Was it a wind, a tornado? No, no, I think it was a light, wasn't it? And this light shines down, and he's looking up at the light that's shining down, and all of the sudden, God has his attention, and he says, it's hard for thee. It's hard for thee to kick against the bricks, and they're laying down. Thanks be to God. Watch. Oh, Saul, let the light of Christ shine into his heart. He saw who he was, and he says, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? He repented right there on the road to Damascus, but he had to let the light in. Folks, we're never going to become more like Christ and Christ influence our life if we don't let his light in. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9, Paul said, Now I rejoice not that ye were made sorry. You know, that's not God's aim. You know, some folks, you know, you might feel bad and uh, maybe some folks might like making you feel bad. That's not what God's aiming at here. He says, I I didn't want you to just be sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance. Boy, he shines the light down and he shows us who we are. And, oh, wretched man that I am, I'll see myself as broken and undone and it hurts. But why did he make me sorry? Why did he bring conviction? What did Paul say? That you sorrowed to repentance. Now, folks, we're thinking about lost folks this morning. But, oh, if it's a lost people, we let the light of Christ shine into their life. Oh, they'd get convicted and finally they would get saved. Absolutely. That's the way it's got to happen. But can I tell you, it's not just about salvation. I believe with all of my heart this morning that our closeness to Christ is directly affected by the conviction from Christ. The reason we don't get any closer to Christ is because the closer we get to the light, the more we see ourselves for who we really are. And we've got these lights up there, and that's why I'm so golden brown with my tan. Those lights just shine down, and boy, you can just see so well. Uh, I said, man, can we turn those lights off? I said, well, the live stream people need to see you. I said, but what if they don't want to see me, right? I mean, that's, that's a turnoff right there. Can we just listen to the message and not look at the message? The light shows us for who we really are. And folks, the reason we don't draw nigh to Christ and close to Christ, why? Because then we see ourselves for who we really are. I believe all of us probably have areas in our life that are off limits to light, aren't they? Are there any areas in your life this morning that are off limits to the light? Areas you're not going to let God go. Nope, God, I'm not going to let you change my mind. God, I'm not going to let you change my stance. I'm not going to let you change my heart. There are times in my life I find areas that I hide away from God. I'm like, God, shine your light anywhere you want but here. Can I tell you, it's not how it works. You got to let Christ shine that light. It might hurt with conviction. Give an example. The old woman at the well. I was reading about her last night. Hear what Jesus asked her. Where's your husband? Where's your husband? Now, he's Jesus. He knows everything, right? He knew she didn't have a husband. Do you know what I believe he was doing? He was shining his light, seeing if she would let him go there. Oh, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's good. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. No, she says, I, I don't have a husband. 
And boy, she began to confess her sin before Christ. I wonder this morning, is there a question that you fear Christ asking you? Where are you here? Where are you there? What about this? What about that? You say, well, I don't, I don't like the way it makes me feel. I want you to understand the conviction of Christ is necessary. We come to the crossroads of, of Christ. We realize that that light shines in and shows us who we are. And you look up the root word of, of convicted. Do you know what it means? Convinced. Being convicted is finally allowing God to convince you of what you wouldn't allow yourself to be convinced of. I can believe a lie just as quick as the next person. You sit down, give me a juicy cheeseburger and tell me that, hey, this is good beef and it won't clog your arteries. I'll believe you and eat it all day long. Why? Because I want to believe that. I had a buffalo chicken sandwich last night. And I sat down there and looked at it and I thought to myself, there's no way I can pray and ask God to bless this. I couldn't even fit it in my mouth. I know that's hard for you to believe, but I couldn't even fit it in my mouth. It was huge. And then it came with fries and a, and a Diet Coke. The Diet Coke made me feel better about the sandwich. But you know what you ought to do this morning? Watch. If you're lost this morning and you're thinking, well, I'm a good person and I'm going to work my way to heaven and get baptized and that will get me to heaven. Can I tell you something? Would you just let the light of Christ shine in? You say, well, it's not going to feel good, but hey, it's going to feel a whole lot better after you let him shine that light in there. Show you where the cavities are at. By the way, same thing for saved people today. You might be here today and you're like, well, there's areas of my heart. That's my area and that's my little pet sin. Oh, you ought to let God shine his light in on your pet sin this morning. So notice, number one, at the crossroads of Christ, you're going to find the con uh, conviction of Christ. But then watch this. Verse 19 says, and this is the condemnation, that light has come. There comes conviction through the light. But then it says, men love darkness rather than light. Why wouldn't people want to believe in God? Why wouldn't people let God have, I love the song, let him have his way with thee. Why wouldn't we want to let God work in our heart and work in our life? Well, this is the second part because once conviction comes in, now there's a conflict. What is the conflict? Well, look at it. Men love darkness rather than light. Number one, when you get to the crossroads of Christ, you're going to find the conviction of Christ. And now you have a conflict. Why? Because the conviction of Christ shows us the second thing, and that's the condition of man. Men love darkness rather than light. You see, conviction occurs when the light of Christ shines in and shows the condition of man, who we really are. And my goodness, it stings. I don't know how many times I've sat in a church service, and boy, the preaching is going on, and sometimes it's what the preacher was preaching on, sometimes it was not what the preacher was preaching on. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit would send a dart to the deepest, darkest regions of my heart, and that light bulb came on, and I saw something there that was displeasing to God. And boy, I, I couldn't wait for the invitation time. Why? Because now I realize my condition. Folks, this morning, if, if, we, if we suddenly found that we had a, a tumor, we'd want it out. We'd want it out. Get it out. Doc, get it out. Cut me open. Get it out. If we had something that was going to kill us or shorten our life, we'd go to the doctor. Doctor, do whatever you got to do. Get it out. Take care of it. Why? Because I want to live once we know our condition, I mean, listen, we're growing up in an age of hypochondriacs. We really are. we got pills for everything. We go to the doctor for everything. Now, listen, I'm not saying doc doctors are good. I went to one the other day. But can I tell you something? If we were just as faithful to our spiritual health as our physical health, 
that when God shows us our condition, oh, it may be convicting to know that, hey, there's cavities in there. It may be convicting to know when the doctor tells you, your cholesterol is up. No more buffalo chicken sandwiches for you. No more. He said, man, I hate to hear that. But oh, do you know what it's leading to? It's leading to life. When we're lost and he convicts us of our condition, he's trying to lead us to life. When we're saved and he shows us our condition, he's trying to lead us to the abundant life. It's all about life. And yet, here's what we do. When conviction comes, we try to ignore our condition. Well, look, I'm not one of those men that love darkness rather than light. Oh, can I tell you? Let the God, word of God be true and every man a liar. This is who we are. We want to cover it up and we want to hide it. You know, I don't like going to the dentist. I don't like stepping on the scale at the doctor. Why? Because I don't want to know the truth. But the truth is, I need to know my condition. We pay doctors really good money to tell us what? Our condition. Our kids go to school and they get report cards. And I know they may not like getting their report cards. I hope you're doing well, by the way, guys. As we enter into this year, your report cards are, they're showing us our condition right? These guys are like, well, I can't wait till I'm out of school. I don't get report cards anymore. You get them, they're just a little different kind. They're called tax returns, okay? <laughs> they help you know what your condition is. Usually when you get one, you're in bad condition, okay? That's usually how it goes. Now, here he says, watch, this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. That light shows the conviction of Christ. Why? Because it reveals the condition of man. And we get to the crossroads of Christ, the best thing we can do is accept our condition. Yep, yep. This is who I am, I, because this is who God says I am. I was thinking earlier about how many times you see a healing in the Bible. Think about the woman with the issue of blood who had it all of those years. Think about Bartimaeus, who was blind all of those years. You know what? They have a common denominator. I've studied it out and almost proved this to be 100% accurate. The ones that were healed were ones who had accepted their condition, that they needed to be healed. The woman who had the issue of blood says, I've spent all that I have, I'm nothing better, and I'm coming to Jesus. She'd accepted that she could not heal herself, and she needed to go to Jesus. When Bartimaeus cried out to Christ, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Do you know what he had already accepted? His condition. His condition. I'm blind and I need to see. It's amazing how often we want to be healed and yet will not admit the condition that we have. And I want you to notice something. I don't think I've ever, ever pulled this out of this verse in, in preaching before. Verse 19, the Bible says, and men, watch this, loved darkness rather than light. Do you know why we have trouble at the crossroads of Christ? The reason we have trouble at the crossroads of Christ is because oftentimes we now have to choose between him and something we love. At least that's the way it is in my life. The Bible says men love darkness rather than light. Why would we not want to be more like Christ? Absolutely. Well, because there's something that I love more than I love Christ. I want you to give you an example. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 31. I'll read it for you. Read it when you get home. The Bible says the prophets prophesy falsely. And the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? Did you hear what he said? The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their means. 
And my people love to have it so. It's, it's easy to get lost in the things that we love and ignore the call to become more like Christ. How many times have we walked out of a church service knowing what the will of God was? He brought conviction. He showed us our condition. The problem was our affection for other things. No, I can't let go of that. I know that he wants me to be more like Jesus, but I, I can't let go of that. There have been lost people, and I appreciate their honesty, that I have witnessed to who refuse to accept Christ as their Savior because of the sin in their life, they, they just didn't want to let go of. And they said, boy, if I get saved, I know my life's going to change. And I love this too much. What does it say? Men love darkness rather than light. Second Timothy tells us about a day I believe we're here. Second Timothy chapter 3, listen to what it says. This know that in the last days perilous times shall come. Could we agree we're there? Oh, my goodness. Perilous times shall come. It is about as perilous as I've ever seen it. But watch what it goes on to say. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. One of the identifiers of the age of the end times and the last days is men who have a greater affection for themselves and their desires than for the things of God. So how do you know? Listen, keep reading. The Bible says traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. I was listening to a, a, a thing on money the other day uh, in our economy. I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Dave Ramsey. And he was talking about the investments that millionaires are making now. And um, he says they're not investing in big tech anymore. He says what they're investing in is sporting teams. I thought to myself, I said, Why? And then he answered my question. Isn't that great when they do that? Why would you not invest in, in tech companies and electronics companies and all that? Why would you invest in sports teams? Here's what he said. He says entertainment will always be around. Entertainment's always going to be around. He says Facebook will come and go. I mean, what was it, MySpace? It started off on MySpace. Some of you folks in your 50s or 60s, yeah, you had it. You know you did. I see you smiling. MySpace and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, those things are going to come and go. But entertainment's always going to be here. Invest in entertainment. What does the Bible say? A sign of the end times. There are going to be perilous times where men are lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. What does it mean? Watch. There's no conviction because they're in love with their condition. They are where they're at and they love where they're at and I enjoy being who I am. Therefore, I have no time for Jesus or to be more like Christ. You see, that's the condition of man. When we get to the crossroads of Christ... And oh, he brings conviction on who we are. We have to decide who we love more. This morning I was reading in 1 Samuel 5 about when the Philistines brought the ark into their temple. They had the great statue of Dagon there. And when they came the next morning, Dagon had fallen down. They put him back up. And then they put the ark, the ark was still in there. And they came back the next day, Dagon had fallen down. And now his hands were broken off. I couldn't help but think about the world that we're living in. We want a little bit of God and a little bit of the world. We're going to put them in the same tent, right? You know, after a while, <laughs> the plagues came. The Philistines said, get that thing out of here. We don't want it anymore. Why? Because it affected things that they loved. That's why we don't want a close walk with Christ. That's why we don't draw nigh unto God. Galatians 5 tells us in verse 24, and they that are Christ 
have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. Do you notice that? They that are Christ have crucified the affections and the lust. You know what that means? I can't have both. At the crossroads of Christ, I can't have both. That something's going to have to be told no. Either I'm going to say no to my affections and my lust, or I'm going to say no to Christ. Can I tell you, oftentimes we say no to Christ. We walk out those four doors and we say no to Christ. Why? Because we're in love with something that we refuse to be convicted about. We won't let that light shine in. And oh, what a mistake we're making. He says, and this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and that men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Now watch verse 21. I'll give you this and we'll close today. That he that doeth trust, he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So here's what happens: we come to this crossroads of Christ, lost or saved. And all of a sudden, he reveals our condition to us. But I want you to notice, like any crossroads, this place of decision, you you get to decide. You and I get to decide. We get to decide whether Christ is going to influence our life. You say, well, how do you know? I want you to notice a word repeated. The Bible says in verse 20, neither cometh to the light. Verse 21, but he that doeth truth cometh to the light. You see, we come to the crossroads of Christ, and we have to choose between the way and our way. That's what salvation is. Christ says, I am the way. It's him and him alone. But then we have our way. What if I be good, God? Will that get me to heaven? What if I get baptized? Will that get me to heaven? What if I'm faithful to church? Will that get me to heaven? No, no, that's your way versus the way. Wait a minute. You've got to choose which way that you're going to, what does the word say in verse 20 21, the which way you're going to come. Number three, I want you to notice at the crossroads of Christ, we have the coming to truth. The coming to truth. You see, it's your response to Christ that decides what you receive. It's your response to Christ. When I was lost, I was nine years old, on my way to hell, didn't know that I was lost and needed to be saved, and then began to walk through the Word of God, and the light of the Word of God shined in my heart and showed me my condition. And there I stood, having to decide what I was going to do at the crossroads of Christ. I chose, thanks be to God, to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I decided to come to Him. Isn't that what verse 20 and 21 says? We come to Him. All because I decided, watch, I decided I wanted the influence of Christ, an influence I could not provide of myself. What does the word of God say? I'll give you this real quickly. John chapter 6, verse 37, not too far. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Aren't you glad when you come to him, he doesn't push you away? You ever been pushed away? Uh, You ever been despised? You ever been rejected? Hey, he was pushed away, despised, and rejected so you wouldn't have to be. That when we come to Jesus, watch this, the Bible says he doesn't cast us out. And your response to Christ is going to determine what you receive. Oh, I'm thankful today. I received eternal life. Why? Because I was willing to do what? To come to him. But then after we get saved, what does the Bible say? James 4, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh to you. I wonder this morning, if you're saved, I wonder what influence Christ is wanting to have in your life. 
but you're unwilling to come. No, I can't, I can't get close to Christ. I can't, you know what, I'm going to keep my distance right here. This is fine because I don't want it to shine any deeper in the dark places of my heart and life. I've got my pet sins and my thoughts that no one else knows about. I can't let God shine there. Listen to me this morning. Why don't you come to him? The influence of Christ in your life, listen to me, it doesn't just stop after you get saved. That's the eternal influence of Christ, but then there's the everyday influence of Christ, and the closer we get to them, we're like John, you decrease and he increases. Suddenly your life begins to resemble Christ. Suddenly your language resembles Christ. Suddenly your testimony resembles Christ. Why? Because you came to him when you got to the crossroads of Christ. I wonder this morning. What is the influence that Christ wants to have in your life today? You say, well, I I don't know what it is. Number one, do you know that you're saved today? Do you know that you're saved? Oh, this morning Jesus hung on a cross for you and for me. Just like those two thieves, you get to choose which one you're going to be. Are you going to allow Christ to be that saving influence in your life that grants you a home in heaven? Are you going to reject that influence because you can't stand that conviction when light comes in? This morning, can I ask you this? If you're saved, has God showed you your condition? Is there something this morning that God has shined his light upon and you're like, oh, no. Years ago, oh, I like to hunt. I don't hunt a lot, but I like to hunt. I was sitting in a duck blind in Louisiana, waist deep in frozen water by myself. And there's alligators out there, you know. I don't know what I was thinking. And I'm sitting there freezing. My waders had a leak in them. There's nothing more miserable when your waders have a leak in it, freezing water, waiting for the sun to come up so I could shoot a few ducks and get like eight ounces of meat, you know, (laughs) that's all you get out of that. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit shined deep down within my heart. He says, oh, if you were only this dedicated to me, you know, he shined it in there and it hurt. I wanted to tell the Lord, leave me alone, I'm hunting. Lord, it's not even Sunday. Could you at least wait till Wednesday night and he shines that light in there and I saw who I was. Listen, I couldn't help but come out of there. Why? It hurt. I saw my conviction and my dedication for something and it wasn't the most for Christ. It was for shooting ducks. But wait a minute. When that conviction comes and shows us our condition, that's the opportunity. He's not making us sorry. He wants us to repent and come to him. What is it this morning that Christ wants to influence your life? What area of your heart does he want to shine his light? Here we are. It's invitation time. The invitation time is truly the crossroads of the whole service. What am I about to let Christ influence my life? What does he want to shine light on? Are we going to turn and go the way? Or are we going to turn to go our way? Remember what he said to them? What is the end thereof? What is the end of the decision you're going to make at the crossroads of Christ today? Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's stand together.